Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Canobio. Episode number five of the show. Can't believe we're here already. A big show lined up for you. We have some big-time guests in the sport of boxing. WBC, heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay Wilder joins the show. Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn on the program. Of course, he is the promoter of Anthony Joshua and Danny Jacobs will talk about uh, both those uh, fighters as what he has plans in store for 2018. We have Dana White scheduled for the show. Uh, I did just receive a text from Dana White saying that he might have to reschedule. He's going to get back to me shortly. Some type of emergency in the, in the UFC. Uh, maybe it's, it's Conor McGregor. Maybe he's demanding a rematch for Floyd Mayweather. That's a fluid situation. Hopefully we can get Dana. If not, we'll have to reschedule him, but I will uh, keep my phone next to me. Hopefully Dana White uh, uh, can join the show. Um, moving forward, though, this past weekend out on Long Island, New York, I was ringside for the Danny jacobs Luis Arias card, uh, Matchroom Boxing's first foray into uh, the USA market. It was a good show. Uh, it wasn't electric. It wasn't outstanding. The crowd was decent. About 7,000 fans packed in to a very cold coliseum to see Danny Jacobs win a uh, unanimous decision over Luis Arias. Uh, it was hard for Jacobs to look great in this fight when your dance partner isn't willing to trade. Uh, Luis Arias did not want to get in there and hurt himself. He was in survivor mode from the beginning, but uh, Danny Jacobs picked up the win, which is most important. Hadn't fought in nine months. His last fight was against uh, Triple G, which uh, catapulted his career to HBO. I know HBO was happy with the performance, and they got the win. Good ratings. Uh, Big Baby Miller wasn't the best performance from Big Baby. A little disappointed with him. Uh, he gave himself an F for his performance, so he's a little disappointed in himself. Uh, he picked up the win, TKO 10, over the tall Polish man in uh, Wok, or Vok, I should say. And um, Terrell Miller not going to be getting Deontay Wilder, not going to be getting uh, any of the big names, Anthony Joshua, anytime soon. Um, his promoter or, or his half-promoter, I don't know exactly what's going on there, Eddie Hearn and Miller, but Eddie Hearn, after the fight, said that um, maybe we should have Big Baby fight a, a few interim bouts, maybe a Dylan White or Brazil or, you know, you name, go down the list of potential heavyweights, and I will do that coming up here on Inside Boxing Lives, go through the heavyweight division. But Jarrell Miller uh, didn't put on the best performance, but he did pick up the win. That was the, the theme at the uh, Nassau Coliseum on HBO was A-sides winning and moving forward their career, spectacular? No. But who was spectacular on Saturday night at the Coliseum was local boy from here on Long Island, Cletus Selden, the Hebrew Hammer, put on a show uh, at the Nassau Coliseum in front of his fans going crazy, uh, picked up the, the, the W, uh, bloody match. He got rid of his opponent in uh, four rounds. He uh, he opened up a cut over his opponent's eye from a blow. People thought it was an elbow. He, he elbowed him after the, the cut the, after the, uh, the the shot that opened it up a lot of times you see cuts from from headbutts and elbows never from a straight right hand so that just shows you the type of power that Cletus Selden has and who knows what's next for Selden at 140 I mean he kind of people were wondering why he was put on this card ended up stealing the show boxing's a crazy sport things like that happen 
Speaking of uh, stealing the show, the other card on Saturday night came across the country over in Fresno, California, which saw Jose Ramirez, the hometown boy, in front of 15,000 fans. And they also had fans lining around the block trying to get into the arena to watch Jose Ramirez's uh, spectacular KO2. He puts himself right into the picture of the WBC uh, title shot. Artur Beterbiev uh, picked up a win. Uh, he picked up a 175-pound belt, one of the many belts that uh, Andre Ward relinquished. Huge rating on ESPN. The second most watched telecast, only uh, second to Pacquiao Horn. And this wasn't a, a crazy fight. I mean, this wasn't big names by any means. No disrespect to Jose Ramirez, but... You know, this wasn't like a Pacquiao Horn or, or Lomachenko. What is Lomachenko Rigondeau going to do on December 9th on ESPN when they have the Heisman Trophy lead in? So uh, ESPN, top rank, hats off the top rank. They know what they're doing. Uh, they know how to pack out these arenas. They're very shrewd when it comes to putting um, these fighters in their hometown. Look what they've done with Terrence Crawford uh, and so forth. So big showing out of ESPN and top rank. Uh, Mark Kriegel made his uh, ESPN debut, um, him and Teddy Atlas going at it on the telecast. That was a, uh, a fight within itself. But uh, all in all, great show. All in all, great night of boxing Saturday night between HBO and, uh, and ESPN. But moving forward with the news in uh, the boxing world, we're inching closer to some of the bigger fights that remain on the schedule here in 2017. 2017, what a year for boxing. And it's not over yet, folks. I mean, we have the uh, return of Sergey Kovalev. He's going to want to uh, get back those belts that he lost to Andre Ward, and his first fight back will be at the theater at the Garden November 25th. So we're getting closer to Sergey Kovalev's return. We're also getting close to the end of Miguel Cotto's storied career. He laces him up one more time at Madison Square Garden December 2nd. Chris, uh, Saddam Ali, not the opponent that he necessarily wanted, but this is what we're going to get. With Miguel Cotto, I'm expecting a huge crowd at the Garden one last time. It's always great if this is his last time. You know how these fighters operate. They may say it's their last fight, but but uh, Miguel Cotto will take it for face value, fighting one more time in front of those uh, MSG crowd and his uh, big-time Puerto Rican uh, contingent of fans. In addition to that fight, middleweight title bout. B.J. Saunders, David Lemieux going down in Montreal December 16th. HBO, this fight got a little spicier. It got a little more intriguing once you throw in the fact that Danny Jacobs will be in attendance waiting for the winner. Now, if Triple G and Canelo, that fight doesn't get made anytime soon or before that fight. Triple G said he's also going to Montreal, and he's also going to call out the winner. So in addition to being a great fight between a pure boxer and BJ Saunders and a straight-up puncher in Lemieux, you throw in the side story of what can be uh, their opponents and a potential unification bout down the road between uh, Canelo, Triple G, Saunders, Lemieux. That's something to look forward to. And, of course, the, the, the showdown at the Garden. The, everything we're building up for here, the biggest fight remaining on the schedule, is Vasil Lomachenko and, and Rigondeau now. That goes down December 9th at the Garden. Going to be a huge fight. And we're um, looking to see that promotion ramp up a little bit. I saw something on, on social media it was a little strange that they haven't seen a face-off. They haven't seen any any type of coverage uh, for the fight. So we're about a month away from Lomachenko rigging down. I fully expect ESPN and Top Rank to ramp up the promotions for that fight. But before we get to our first guest in Deontay Wilder, we have to talk about the heavyweight division. 
Heavyweight division right now is it's fun. I mean, there are a lot of names in the heavyweight division. There are a lot of moving parts. We're going to talk to Anthony Joshua. We're going to talk to Eddie Hearn, uh, who promotes Anthony Joshua. We're going to talk to Deontay Wilder, excuse me. And we're going to also talk to uh, Eddie Hearn, get his thoughts. But the heavyweight division right now is it's very confusing to some. A lot of moving parts. Of course, the headline by the two big boys. We'll take a look at the players here in the heavyweight division. The players are Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Big Baby, Tyson Fury, and it goes, you can go down the list of the major players in the heavyweight division. And from all these names, you can kind of put them together like a puzzle. Like you put him here, you know, Joshua's the cash cow. Everyone, wants, everyone on that list wants Joshua, including Deontay Wilder, Jarrell Miller, Joseph Parker, just go through the list. But what I want to do right now here on Inside Boxing Live is give you my predictions for the heavyweight division in 2018. These are Dan's predictions. These are just my opinions from people I talk to in the sport and just what I've seen in the boxing world. So maybe we can go back and look at these down the road and have a good laugh or I'll be patting myself on the back for getting everything right. Prediction number one. Anthony Joshua will not fight Deontay Wilder right away. And they will not fight until the summer of 2018. What I see them doing is doing something similar to what Canelo and Triple G did, was they give the fans a date maybe eight months down the road. And before that date, they, had, they fight one more fight. We saw that with Triple G. And we saw that with Canelo. Canelo fought uh, Chavez, destroyed him. <laughs> And Triple G got in the ring as well, and they both won. Uh, Triple G fought Jacobs, of course. They both won their fights, and they set themselves up for another big fight. I can see that happening here. I can see them taking a page from that and doing that, but that's my first prediction is Joshua and Wilder will not fight until the summer or the fall of 2018. My next prediction here in the heavyweight division is Anthony Joshua fights Joseph Parker to get another belt. Add another belt to his resume, add another belt to his bargaining side when it comes to negotiating with uh, Deontay Wilder. And the kicker for this one is I think that Joshua, is gonna, this fight's going to be overseas. And I think that, here's what I'm throwing in here, that the fight will not happen in London. The fight happens in Nigeria. Nigeria, of course, being the home of uh, Anthony Joshua. I think that will do huge numbers. Um, Steven Espinosa has talked about wanting to do that fight. And I know that that Joshua is operating on, uh, I, I think he has one more fight, Nick, is that right? Maybe one more fight with Showtime, Anthony Joshua. I'm seeing head nodding. I, I think so. I think one more. One more fight with Joshua. So I'm sure Espinosa is going to want to uh, do everything he says, and if he wants to fight Nigeria and wants to make the most money for Espinosa, then I can see that happening. That's what I think uh, will be next for Joshua. Moving forward here, my prediction next for, from Deontay Wilder is Wilder will fight Brazil next. Dominic Brazil, who he does not like, who he had a, a run-in in a hotel with before his fight with Gerald Washington. So these two have beef. They have a little bit of a history. So I think Wilder fights Brazil to appease the WBC sometime in late February. Now, this fight's very easy to make. You can make it at Barclays. You can make it in Alabama. But how about this? How about putting Wilder on the undercard of the Joshua fight? That's something I want to talk to Eddie Hearn about later on in the show, is putting Wilder and Joshua on the same card 
I mean, you need to do more of that in boxing. That's a self-promotion right there. It's built right in. Fans will go crazy. That's what I think Joshua will, uh, and Wilder will do next. My next prediction, going down into the uh, the contenders now, is Big Baby Miller fights Dillian White next. This isn't a a a uh, eliminator technically, but I think it will eliminate who's real and who's not. A big, a big Baby coming off of a pretty decent performance, not great, and uh, Dillian White, a fighter that not a lot of people know about. Maybe they do that fight at the Barclays Center in April because I know Eddie Hearn wants to bring Jacobs back in April. Put uh, Big Baby versus Dillian White at ups both their profiles. Uh, Tyson Fury, you can't mention the heavyweight division without mentioning uh, Tyson Fury currently tipping the scales at 25 stone. I don't know what that means, but it sounds awesome. It sounds really cool. And uh, 25 stone. Well, you got something to say, Nick? Yeah, 25 stone is 350 pounds. Yeah, that's pretty accurate right now, right? 25 stone. I think he's got to get down to, my math is correct, he's got to get down to like 18 stone. Yeah, I mean, he said he wants to get down to, what, 15 stone, and that's uh, 205 pounds or 210 pounds, and I don't think Tyson Fury has ever seen that in the last uh, 15, 20 years. So. Yeah, I mean, we're all rooting for Tyson Fury. I do think he comes back. He, he, he sheds the weight. He fights a tune-up fight in, the let's say, the spring, because it's going to take him a while to get that weight off, that stone off, I should say. He sheds some stone, he, and he fights in the spring. He wins the fight, gets back in the ring, sings a song about Joshua and Wilder as only he can. So I'm rooting for Tyson Fury. Get back, man. Shed that weight. Get your mind right, and let's let's see you uh, back in the ring, because there's some big fights for Tyson Fury, should he take care of uh, the home, as they say. My final two predictions for the heavyweight division here in 2018. Eddie Hearn laces him up and gets in the ring with Lou DiBella, <laughs> his bitter rival here in the U.S., Lou DeBella. Eddie Hearn, Lou DeBella agreed to a 10-round fight on the Joshua undercard. I'm going to have to ask uh, Eddie his thoughts on that fight. Uh, they have a war of words. They go back and forth on Twitter. It's all in good fun, I think. But uh, Eddie Hearn and, and Lou DeBella would be a pay-per-view worthy matchup between two of the more uh, animated promoters in the game. Finally, my final prediction for 2018 Pavekian and Luis Ortiz f- agree to a PED-free prize fight. But the fight is made. We get, to, we get to fight week. Both fighters simultaneously fail a drug test, and they both blame it on tainted meat bought by their uh, respective trainers from the local BJs. I can just see it happening. Out of all of these scenarios, the Pavekian-Ortiz PED fest, I can see that one happening the most where both fighters somehow magically take that the old tainted meat excuse and uh that fight gets made and then it gets it's off and then somehow it gets made and they fight each other i I can see that one happening more than anything but these are my predictions these are not facts folks these are just what i think is going to happen from talking to everyone i think joshua and wilder the two top guys in the division will fight but it will come later on in the year, and then everyone else will have to scatter for themselves if they try to get to the top of a very stacked heavyweight division. Right now, Inside Boxing Live, we are joined by the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber. How you doing today, Deontay? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I can't complain. Having a good time here in uh, New York City. Uh, last time we saw you in New York City, uh, you were doing your thing, and uh, Wow. Uh, I was ringside for the fight, and uh, all my years covering fights and going to fights, 
I've never seen an like a, an, an opponent overpower another guy like you did. How are you feeling uh, after that victory over Stavern? I mean, I, I feel good, man. I'm, I'm ready to go again. Um, it was it was everything to me to just look good. You know, I wasn't really too much focused on uh, knocking them out, although that's what I wanted to do. But that wasn't my my main focus. My main focus was to look good and get the win. And uh, but the knockout was was a plus. It was like the the, the you know the cherry on top, you know. And uh, I felt good. I felt good that night. Everything I said I was going to do, you know, I damn near did it. And um, I was happy with my performance. I had to let everybody know that I am who I say I am. And I had to send a message to the heavyweight division to let them know that I'm here and I ain't going nowhere. I mean, the message was sent. I mean, it's one thing, what I noticed from you, you came on our show before and all the lead-up to this fight, everything that happened with Luis Ortiz and all the things that were out of your control is I saw a guy in you that was laser-like focus and you wanted to go out there and put on a great performance and you went above and beyond in this fight. Almost definitely. You know, it's a sign times for heavyweight division and as the king returns, he wants to do his part. You know, up in up in this 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 rise of the heavyweight division, it's so exciting, and uh, you know, and I feel like I'm the most exciting heavyweight in the division. The things that I'm able to do in the ring, no one has ever done before. You know, and a lot of people from the from the way I move, talk, and certain things that I do, not only inside the ring but outside, people try to compare me to Muhammad Ali, and you know, certain things in the ring. You know, as we see, especially with my style. You know, Muhammad Ali had a very awkward type of style. Muhammad Ali didn't throw straight punches and, and do technical things. He did He did things. He threw some wild punches. He was an awkward fighter. And look at him. He's the greatest of all time. He's an icon. And I think that's going to be the same way with me. My style is going to be what brings me to the top. I'm superior over all these other guys because they cannot figure me out. People's, people do interviews about me. And they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing, but have nobody executed what they try to try to do. Well, even when they have done it, they fail miserably. <laughs> everybody, I will rephrase that. Everybody tried to execute what everybody always uh, claimed that it would be something that could beat me. Everybody that tried to do that, they failed miserably. Right. Nobody has the remedy to me. Nobody understands how to beat me. The only thing a fighter can go in there and do is to give his all and his best because that's what I'm going to bring. I'm chosen. I'm one of the greatest. I'm in the creative of it. And if, it, if it's for Muhammad Ali to pass the torch down to me, then I'm, I'm going to carry it very well. Trust me. I will be undisputed, undefeated, heavyweight champion of the world. Trust me. I, I mean, you're delivering on your promises, and you talk about Muhammad Ali, and he was in some big fights, and obviously we're going to talk about a big fight that you really want and everyone wants to see is you and uh, Anthony Joshua. Uh, what are the latest? What's the latest you have heard from the negotiations? I know that your team sat down with Eddie Hearn while he was here in uh, New York for his fight this past week. What's the latest you've heard on a fight between uh, you and Anthony Joshua? Well, just want to let everybody know that, that um, the negotiation did go very well. Everything is uh, in talks. And that's the first step. That's the great part about it because this is the most talked about fight in the world right now. And, you know, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. 
I'm excited to be able to uh, to be able to bring out, you know, to give the people what they want to see, really. I had to do a lot of hard work into getting it to this far, you know, and, um, and I'm ready to prove myself. Everything that I said I would do and is going to do, I can't wait for it to come in, in, into existence, you know. You know, people know that when I speak, when I say things, that I don't just, I don't bullshit people. I don't just say it just to say it. I don't just say it just because I got a little bit of interview time and stuff like that. That's easy to get. But I want people to know and remember me as, as a guy that when he said things, he made it possible. He made it, he made it happen for us. And that's what I want to be known. So everything I said I was going to do that I've done, either way referring to another fighter or what he's done, you know, it, it have came true. And if it haven't, and if it haven't been something in the ring that I have not done, then I've come inches of, of to doing it. Now, I wasn't far away from it. And that's the facts of Deontay Wilder. Now, Deontay, I don't know if you saw this, but Joshua says that he doesn't like the fact that you have been going on social media and calling him out, and I 100% disagree with him on that one. I think if we learned anything from the McGregor-Mayweather uh, fight is that that whole fight and that whole promotion played out on social media. What is your message to uh, Joshua saying that you need to stop chirping on social media? No, well, that's the thing about boxing. See, he, on the, he living in a, a whole other fairy, fairy tale land over there. You know, what he needs to do is continue to do as he's told and continue to, to move as he's been 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 trained to move, you know. Because over here we do things differently. I understand that, you know, they don't they wanna be humble people. They don't wanna brag. They don't wanna boast. They don't want to sound like they're confident in what they wanna do. You know? But as Americans, we love that. That's what that what that that's what we're known for. That's what get the hype up. It's the talk. It is to be able to be confident. It is to be able to say what I'm going to do and then do it. So I would, I would not shut up. I would not rest until I obtain all those belts. So when I knock Anthony out, I'm going for Parker or whoever else has those belts. And I would do the same approach. I would have the same thing. I'm going to talk. That's me. I'm confident in what I say, and I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. I'm going to talk my talk just so I can show you I can walk my walk. And that's just how boxing is. Of course he don't want me to talk. Of course he don't want me to speak out because it makes him look bad as a champion. He wants to just be able to, you know, just do, just fight anybody and, and, and sell out stadiums and say he done something. You know, but the thing about it, I'm, I don't have nothing personal against Joshua. It's not nothing personal against Joshua. I like Joshua. I like what he represents and what he stands for, especially as a black man. He's winning. So if he, as a black man, win, we all winning in some sense because uh, that little child or that grown man or that little or that grown woman looks up, looking up to him and saying, you know what? He did it. You know, that can uh, strike something in somebody else's mind and say, you know, I'm going to try something out. I'm going I'm to I'm try to get in the ring. I'm going to try to do it because I know the things that I've done is motivated people, young and old. So... To see him in this country to do great things, I know the same people are looking up, or similar people are looking up and saying the same thing. So, so for me, you know, this is a why not talk about it? Right. Why be quiet? Why be silent? This is the most exciting, biggest fight in in in, in, in 
yeah. history. Yeah. Period. Especially in our time. So why be quiet? Did you see? Sit back and talk. Did you see Odell Beckham tweet about it? I heard a lot. I didn't see it, but I, I heard a lot of a lot of people was talking about it. I mean, yeah. Know? And I'm not surprised. Everybody wants to see this fight, so why be quiet? It's too exciting to be quiet about it. I don't understand that. Like I said, the only reason he want me to be quiet because it makes him look bad. You yeah. know, when people coming at him, you scared or you ducking because all he used to is hearing is getting good vibes, good positive energy. People coming on, oh, you the best champ, or this and, and people being so brainwashed in this country. You know, that's all good and dandy, but it comes a time where we must step outside of our bubble and, and face the reality. And the reality is, yeah, you're a champion. Yeah, you done put your country, you done made your country, you know, um, big and with the numbers and it shows and stuff because I can't say you put your country on the map because Tyson Fury done that, <laughs> but you've carried it thus that from thus to to where it is now, and you know yeah you've done a great job, but you can't legitimately say that you are the best in the world. You can't say you are the king champion because I'm still a champion as well too. I mean it's my opinion to think that I'm the best. Because none of these guys won't put me up to the test. So, you know, I haven't got the, the short, I haven't got the, the long ends of the sticks and stuff. I've always had to work hard for mines. And that's what makes me a, a champion that I am to this day. And I can't wait to obtain all the belts so I can prove so many faces. <laughs> yeah. So many faces. I mean, I totally agree. I wouldn't stop if I were you. And I mean, it's what drives promotions, what drives the fights. I mean, Maybe Anthony Joshua doesn't do a lot of talking, but uh, his promoter, Eddie Hearn, likes to uh, to chime in every once in a while. I don't know if you saw this. He was on the streets of New York City, and he was asking people going past him, uh, do you know who Deontay Wilder was? Did you see that video? Yeah, some people have showed me. What you, you know, what'd you think of that? You know, if he found him, if he had found him out there, and that makes it think about it, hey, that's good for you. It don't hurt me. You know, it don't hurt me at all because... The only thing he's trying to come back, you know, what 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 point is he proving? The only thing he's trying to come back on because I'm really putting out the facts. I'm really, you know, I don't think Hearn really want this fight. And if he do, then he would do everything in his power as a promoter, as 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 people wants to see great fights. He would make this fight happen at all costs because he knows this is the biggest fight in the world. You know, it don't have to get any bigger. It's already in color. Look at all the mainstream. Media. Yeah, yeah. They all have called the fire. You know, so how big do you want it? You know, and you know that don't that don't bother me. I'm I'm not from I'm not from New York for one. Anyway, and uh, in America again, we got to say America is a big place. You do the numbers. You had a, we triple, we tripled the numbers to the UK. We right. tripled the numbers on that. What they, what they, you know? I think somebody somebody looked it up for me. Yeah, the population. Yeah, we got 300 million. And something million, and America got how many? 323 million? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, yeah. You do the, you do the number. You do the numbers. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take... It's small over there, so of course, yes, that's easy. Let's do the numbers. And boxing is much bigger over there. You know, we got so much stuff over here. Let's, let's, do, the, let's do the reason behind what he's trying to do. That's why it doesn't affect me. It doesn't hurt me. You know, anything that he says, anything that Eddie does... You know, it, it, I don't find it offensive. Right. I, I got thick skin, you know what I mean? Long as this fight happened to where I can prove myself, because only thing that he can do at this point is bring fuel to the fight. That's it. 
That's it, because he's not going to be able to get in there and, 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 and be able to bag up on his talk, all the things he's doing. Joshua will have to pay for that. And Joshua will pay for it in a tremendous way. This gravy train will come to an end. And this, I promise. And people know when I say I promise, I mean what I say. Uh, Deontay, before we let you go, um, should this fight happen down the road and you have to do a tune-up fight or a fight to let it marinate a little bit, there are two names out there that are being thrown around. Dominic Brazil and Dillian White now, if you haven't uh, seen, is now the number one rated WBC contender. What are your thoughts on Dominic Brazil and uh, Dillian White? Well, Dominic Brazil, he's... he's <clears throat> Dominic Brazil, you know, it ain't no... It ain't, it, the really missing his name is 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 head scratching. It's, it's like make you want to vomit in your mouth. <laughs> he's a he's a weak American uh, prospect. You know I don't rate him at all. At all, he's he's a slow. He's very sloppy at times. He's very slow, uh, a heavyweight. And you know, of course, we got history. I would love to fight him. That wouldn't be no problem. That's easy money mm-hmm. for him. You know. I already got a personal issue with him, so you already know what happens when I have a personal issue against you. Yeah. If you don't know what happened, please go back and look at the fight with me, me versus Burn Mr. Burn 1 and 2. Go back and look at Spuka. You know what I mean? I don't even have to name the name. You go back and look at all my highlights of knockouts, what I've done, and some of these guys that have made it personal. The ones that had the, the dramatic knockouts, They've made it personal, and look what happened to them. So, with Brazil, I can't, I can't wait to put my hands on him and do it legally. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's a bitch in boxing. He's one of the bitches in boxing. All right. You know, how, how, you, how, you, how you go sue another fighter? When you're supposed to be a fighter, you're supposed to be all this in, you know. But I can't wait, man. This is boxing, and this is the bitches that have been drawn out for being him. And I can't make, I can't wait to uh, relive that this moment of being a man so bad, and I can do it legally. I can't wait. I cannot wait. And with Dylan White, come on, man. After his last performance, man, he shouldn't even be, you know, even placed by my name, nor Brazil either. But especially Dylan White. All this time, these guys got all this time to prove that they the best. And to prove why they shouldn't be fighting the champion stuff like that, and what they do, you know, he he go and fight Robert Linus, which people label my guy Johan Duapa as a bum, but Johan Duapa went and beat Robert Linus, beat yeah. him, knocked him out. But you got a Dylan White that's supposed to be at the top, that's supposed to be oh they want me to fight him because he's the gatekeeper and he'll give me a go. And uh, he can't even knock out a Robert Alenius. In fact, Robert almost knocked him out. And then they gave Robert Alenius a week notice to, to train. And he still couldn't get this man out. And he's supposed to be a threat to Deontay Wilder, one of the hardest hitters, one of the baddest men, one of the most exciting guys in the, in the heavyweight division. Come on, please. I hope people are not that brainwashed and they can wake up and see. You know, and being him that he's my mandatory, then shit, I'm hearing a lot of things as far as mandatory. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I won't see, it, I won't believe it until, until it's right there. And then once once it comes, I'm gonna tell him congratulations to signing his death wish because I don't play around. They know I don't play around. I am not in this game 
to 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 be nice. That's Deontay Wilder. If you want a nice person, that's Deontay Wilder. But the bronze bummer, the bronze bummer don't want to hear. And he definitely don't want to hear no excuses. He wants you to be about what you say, live by your word, because he's a man of his, and he's going to live by every word that he say. Yeah, once the mask goes on, the Bronze Bomber comes out. Deontay, thank you for taking some time to come on with us. Uh, hopefully we see you and Joshua. I mean, we don't have to worry about some of these other guys in the division. But uh, once again, uh, thank you. Congratulations on your big win. We'll talk soon, my man. My man, take it easy, man. God bless. All right, take care. Deontay Wilder, one of the greatest interviews you can get in boxing right now. Uh, very candid, very uh, descriptive of some of his opponents that they're throwing out here that are not named Anthony Joshua. Uh, not a big fan of uh, Dominic Brazil. Uh, he was talking about the history that they have. They got into a little bit of an altercation in the hotel uh, back at his fight with Gerald Washington. They got into a little bit of a altercation in the hotel, and I didn't know that Brazil sued Wilder. Did you know that, Nick? I did not know about that one. Got to look that one up. <laughs> I mean, uh, Wilder. I mean, you just gotta you just, with Wilder. You just kind of like feed him a little bit. You, you twist up the back, and he'll just go. I mean, that was good stuff. I mean, uh, he wants Joshua. Doesn't care about what Eddie Hearn is doing. Doesn't care about what he's saying or any of the tricks that he's doing. And he wants Anthony Joshua. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, he sounds like he's ready to go to tomorrow. I mean, the guy's amped up. Wow. That was uh, something there from the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay Wilder. Time to move on here with our first segment of the show. It's uh, in case you missed it. I know there's a lot going on in the world of boxing right now. I'm going to bring you up to speed on everything that's going on. Our first segment here, our first topic here, I should say. Mikey Garcia turns down the Linares unification bout. I mean, this is turning into an all-out saga here with uh, Mikey Garcia. I mean, we've highlighted some of his tweets. He turned down the Cotto fight because uh, apparently he didn't want the options that triple uh, that uh, Golden Boy was trying to offer him, two more fights. So you fight Cotto, and then you have to stay on with us for two more fights. Turn that down. Okay, that's fine. Then it turns out that he turned down this Linares unification bout, which had zero options, no strings attached. Fight Linares, the unification at 140, and then that's it. You're done. And he didn't want that one either. And even his own brother was shocked. Robert Garcia was shocked that he turned it down. So I know there's a, a lot of rumors that Mikey Garcia could potentially fighting Omar Figueroa. I mean, sometimes it's good to be a free agent when uh, you're Mikey Garcia and you don't have a promoter. But, you know, it looks like he's turning down some huge paydays and some big high-profile fights. So uh, interesting move there from uh, Mikey Garcia will not be fighting. Jorge Linares, unification bout. Next order of business is uh, Triple G and Canelo. Speaking of negotiations, still not made yet. I mean, every day that passes that Triple G and Canelo has not made is, I think it's further and further from happening, if I'm being 100% honest with you, and that's just my opinion. I mean, this was an easy fight to make. The fans want it. They, they made the fight the first time. It, it took a couple years, but it was made. I mean, there's a, there's a rematch clause right in there. There's a date waiting, May 5th. Let's get this fight going. Well, I don't know what is going on here with Oscar De La Hoya. He's quoted saying as they're going, the negotiations are going very slow. What could possibly be going slow? What's the holdup here? I think they can hammer out the financials. Canelo clearly is still the cash cow. 
Triple G knows that. He accepted it in the first fight. So I don't understand what's going on with this fight. Needs to be made. And I know that Triple G is not going to wait forever. And he has quoted as saying that he'll wait until December. The fight's not made. He's going to Montreal to watch BJ Saunders Lemieux hopefully get the winner of that one. I know Jacobs is also going to that fight looking for the winner of it. Setting up a nice little round robin here, a little drama in the 160-weight division. So interesting to see what goes on with that. But Triple G Canelo still not made. And uh, we're hoping to see that one get finalized for May 5th. Moving forward here, next tidbit here, in case you missed it. And uh, if you missed this one, you're living under a rock, apparently. But Dana White wants to get into the sport of boxing. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Mr. White does with this. I mean, the guy's resume speaks for himself, speaks for itself, turned the UFC into a juggernaut. Uh, what's he going to do? Is he going to align with Al Heyman? Is he going to work with some of the other promoters in boxing? Is it, you know, uh, one fight at a time? Or is he looking to take over the sport? I mean, so many questions for Dana White. So we'll keep an eye on that one here in uh, 2018 moving forward. Dana White looking to get into the sport of boxing. Uh, very interesting development there. Moving forward here, in case you missed it, and Wolf. Remember Ann Wolf, the on-and-off trainer of James Kirkland? A very great story, Ann Wolf, a former fighter herself, knocked out a ton of women in her day, champion. Was also in the Wonder Woman movie this past, uh, past year. TNT is developing a series on her life. I mean, this is intriguing. I mean, Ann Wolf, if you don't know anything about her, Google her, YouTuber, search her out. She is an interesting, interesting character. She's a she's crazy. I mean, she, you've seen her in the in the corner there, and in, in, uh, of James Kirkland, hold, no holds barred type of woman. Doesn't take any you know any crap from anyone. And uh, I'm interested to see how her life story here, how it plays out, because I don't know too much about her life story. All we see of her is her in the ring and uh, Boston James Kirkland around. It's great stuff. So TNT developing a series on Ann Wolf. Uh, keep an eye out on that one. Another uh, bit of information here is Errol Spence Lamont Peterson finalized for January 20th at the Barclays Center on Showtime. Love this fight for Errol Spence. I think he is being developed perfectly here at 147. You know, Lamont Peterson hasn't fought in a while, but he's no layup. Lamont Peterson is a very good contender. He beat, or not even beat, but he fought uh, Danny Garcia a few years back, gave him a lot of people think that he won that fight. So uh, Errol Spence, Lamont Peterson finalized for January 20th at Barclays Center. Of course, Errol Spence has his eyes set on Keith Thurman, has his eyes set on the 147-pound uh, title. And I think that the PBC, Al Heyman, doing a great job developing Errol Spence, and he'll get some eyeballs at the Barclays Center. Great place to fight. Errol Spence, Lamont Peterson, January 20th. And I love that the fact that there are some fights being set up in January, because January is usually a time in boxing where there's not much going on. It's a time where discussions are happening for fights that are going to take place in the third and fourth quarter. That's great to see between this and the World Boxing Super Series uh, semifinal fights that it's going to be some really good boxing in uh, the month of January. Final bit of information here, Nick. Um, did you see this? Eddie Hearn, our friend of the program, Eddie Hearn was out in New York City at Mendez Boxing Gym for the media workout. And he was going to ask people on the streets of NYC uh, who Deontay Wilder is. And I think we have footage of, of this. Uh, yeah, I'm just pulling it up. One sec. Come on, Nick. Hurry up. 
but Eddie Hearn had himself a week in New York City. Uh, I was at the gym, Mendez Boxing Gym, where they were holding this, and I was walking up to the gym to check out the fighters and, and talk to some people, and I saw Eddie Hearn out there doing this interview, which is freaking hilarious. I, uh, I got it. Hold on. Let's check it out. Down the street in England and said, do you know who Anthony Joshua is? How many times out of ten would someone say, yeah, he's X? Ten out of ten? Maybe nine out of ten? You know, here, I mean, look, I know this guy. How you doing, mate? I've never met you before, right? No, no, my name is Jerry. Do you know who Deontay Wilder is? No, who's that? Okay. Okay, no problem. That's just a quiz we're playing. Thank you, bro. Thanks. Take care. That's a classic example. You know what I mean? We can do it all day long. And I don't think anyone's there. Do one more. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. Just have you do you know do you know who Deontay Wilder is? Dion who? Deontay Wilder? An NFL player? No, not quite, but good effort. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. So here we are. You know, we're out on the streets in New York, and it's quite simple. You know, this is the problem. You have to hit the man on the street. You have to hit the general public. It, if I was promoting the world heavyweight champion from America who could fight like Deontay Wilder could, who could... That was... I mean, that was hilarious. I mean, Eddie Hearn... I mean, the guy is, he's charming, man. He's charming, he's funny, uh, and, you know, took a little chance to throw some shade at Deontay Wilder. Not a lot of fans in, in New York City, not a lot of fans in America know who Deontay Wilder is, but just to stick up for Deontay Wilder here, stick up for my fellow American, how many uh, American people know who Anthony Joshua is? Probably not a lot, but I know Anthony Joshua is loved, beloved over there in England. I think that's the case he was trying to make, but that was absolutely hilarious. You know, I was right there. I was walking into the gym, and I see her, Eddie Hearn out there doing, you know, one of the many interviews he did that day, uh, talking to, I think it was IFL that shot that video. And uh, very funny, very funny stuff from uh, Eddie Hearn. And, you know, they're just posturing right now. They're, they're, they're playing hardball. I mean, this is what happens when uh, negotiations for a fight of this magnitude in heavyweight division. But that was hilarious, Eddie Hearn taking it to the streets. Uh, asking fans, Dion, Dion Sanders? <laughs> I mean, the guy had no clue who he was. But funny stuff from Eddie Hearn, it's all fun and games. Uh, we'll ask Deontay Wilder his uh, thoughts on uh, that little snippet there. But that's all we got here for, in case you missed it here on Inside Boxing Live. Unfortunate news here on Inside Boxing Live. Uh, it seems like Dana White cannot make the program. Just got a call from uh, his assistant. He's uh, Something came up. Dana White will not be joining the show. Uh, a little disappointing because I was looking forward to asking him about uh, what he wants to do here in boxing in 2018. But you never know what, what's going on in the life of uh, Dana White, UFC president. And I could have got a call from McGregor. Could have been anything. Could have been on a plane right now for all I know. But I will try to get Dana White on the show. I just uh, sent out a text to, to Dana. Um, he's been on the show before. He's uh, He is a fan of the show and CompuBox. So we'll try to get Dana White on the show. My apologies to all you out there. Uh, tweet him. Tell him that you want to see him on the show. So hopefully we can get him back on. But uh, on that note, we're going to move forward with the program. It's time for my favorite segment of the show. It's the Twitter hitters, folks. These are the tweets coming directly from the source, directly from the boxers. Uh, it doesn't discriminate between gender or age. As our first tweet comes from former heavyweight champion of the world, the great George Foreman. Uh, he tweets a lot. 
And uh, I don't know if he's running his Twitter or who's one of the five Georges, his kids, are running the Twitter. But someone tweeted at him about his Foreman Grills, and he came back with an epic response here, saying that when he was KO'd, he saw a giant piece of meat screaming, Grill me. And when he woke up, he said, I gotta find a grill. And then, fast forward, $500 million later, we have the George Foreman Grill. Funny story about the George Foreman Grill is, here at CompuBox, we, my dad and my father, Bob Canobio, uh, worked with George Foreman back in the mid-90s, and he told my dad and a bunch of guys ringside about this grill that he was making, <laughs> the Foreman Grill, and uh, we were like, what is this thing? And we got one. We, my, oh, he came home from a fight, and we had a Foreman Grill, and uh, now look at it today. It's in the, the dorm rooms and the apartments and homes of everyone in America. So uh, George Foreman... Great tw uh, tweeter. Hilarious stuff from George uh, here on Twitter hitters. Moving forward, just to show you how big an Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight could be. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, decided to chime in, as you see right there. And this just shows me that this fight has major crossover appeal. It's not to the level of May uh, Pacquiao, Mayweather, or Mayweather McGregor, but this is the biggest fight that can be made in 2018. You have celebrities talking about it. You have athletes talking about it. The minute that fight was over, Wilder's KO of Stavern, it was on all over Instagram, all over social media. You know, me, social media accounts that usually don't follow boxing or post anything about boxing were posting about it. I got text messages from my friends. I got text messages from females that don't watch boxing. Who is this guy Wilder, and is this for real? And I think it's great. I mean, I, it's a huge fight, and it just, sh just shows you from, you know, Odell Beckham chiming in. Our next piece uh, here from uh, the Twitter hitter section comes from Terrence Crawford. As we all know, Terrence Crawford moving up to 147 pounds, cleaned out the 140-pound division with, with ease, and now he's getting into 147. This is scary to me. This is scary if I'm a fighter at 147, if I'm Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, whoever it may be at 147, to see that Crawford is feeling like, you know, better than ever, hungrier than ever, that's a scary thought because Terrence Crawford, fully motivated, is probably the best pound-per-pound -pound fighter in the world. So I'm looking forward to 2018 for many reasons, and one of them is uh, Terrence Crawford moving up to 147. Probably going to see him against Jeff Horn. That's my guess. An easy fight that can be made at 147. Pick up a world title right off the bat. Our next tweet comes from another hungry, undefeated fighter. The Charlo brothers, Jamel Charlo. Lions only is a movement, folks. Totally agree. Totally agree with you, uh, Jamel, because, I mean, these guys have taken the boxing world by storm. The twins are, are knocking people out in spectacular fashion. Their interviews are great. Their post-fight theatrics, you don't know what you're going to get. You got a chair flying, hitting the guy in the head at their last fight. He knocked out Lubin. I mean, you never know what you're going to get from the Charlo brothers. And their Twitter is pretty good because I think that a lot of this po uh, popularity is starting to mount for them. And they're seeing lines only. And if you saw Deontay Wilder, if you watch the uh, Stavern fight again, in the ring afterwards, he uh, looks over into ringside, and both Charlo brothers there, and he screamed out, "Lions only, lions only." So I mean, it's it's catching on, and a lot of people want to see the Charlo brothers fight again. And their tweets are great. 
You know, they call fighters out. They they respond to fans, and that's great to see. Moving into the heavyweight division of Twitter hitters, who better than Tyson Fury? I mean, we can probably rename this whole segment uh, Tyson Fury Sweets. We can just take a scroll down his timeline. I mean, this was on November 6th when he tweeted this, and since then he's probably sent out about 15 videos to Joshua. He's tweeted about his weight. He's tweeted about what he's eating. He's tweeted about vacations with his wife. I mean, uh, but now he's talking about, and you throw that on the screen one more time, he's talking about what he really wants to fight for, and it's more than just titles and money. Apparently, that's a picture of him. Uh, it's not HD quality, and uh, some fan called him out for that, and he responded with an LOL. But he says that he's returning for the real people of the world and to spread awareness of mental health, to show people who suffer uh, change will happen. That's awesome. That's something we can get behind because uh, Tyson Fury has a lot going for him. He's a big hill to climb to get back to fighting shape, get back into the ring, become a champion again. And we all know about his mental health problems. We all like to poke fun at at Fury for his weight or anything else that's going on. But this is a guy that um, suffered from mental health issues, Was uh, has become an adv- advocate for it now. So, you know, hats off. Tyson Fury rooting for you for a comeback. Want to see you in the ring. Finally, heavyweight division, Twitter hitters, the big man, Anthony Joshua. And good job, Nick, of uh, our producer, Nick, of uh, blurring out the last part of this one. I think what we see here is Anthony Joshua tweeting at Fury, get fit, you fat, and uh, you can do the, uh, the guesswork on what that word was. But Joshua... Maybe getting a little tired of Wilder calling him out. Maybe getting a little tired of Fury calling him out. Maybe getting a little tired of people chirping at him, saying that uh, he's too nice, he's too uh, he's too friendly, he's too much of a humanitarian. I don't believe all that, but it was it was interesting to see Joshua kind of just like let loose a little bit, you know, throwing a curse word here and there. Someone responded to him. A fan said, "Wow, this is unlike you." And he said, "What? Me curse? Go go f off or something to the fan." So, you know, it's a little. Uh, there's a strong side. There's a little dirty side. Anthony Joshua. I mean, he is the ambassador. He is the face of the sport. And you know, it is boxing. I mean, this isn't you know chess or this isn't tennis. You can get away with some curse words every once in a while. But that is our Twitter hater segment of the show. Of course, please send me your tweets if you see a tweet. From a boxer, if you see a tweet from a promoter, if you see a tweet from anyone in the boxing game that you think is worthy for this segment, shoot it my way at Dan Canobio or at CompuBox. We'd love to feature you, you here on Inside Boxing Live. Joining Inside Boxing Live, he's Matchroom, uh, Matchroom Boxing's Eddie Hearn. He had a great week here in New York. Eddie, uh, you were put up here in New York City. You spent the whole week in New York out on Long Island for uh, Danny Jacobs and Jarrell Miller. How did you enjoy your uh, first foray into New York City boxing? It's a great experience. It's a great learning curve for us. You know, saying a lot, we don't expect to come in and, and change the face of boxing overnight. It's going to take time for us to understand the market, understand um, the business in America. And it was it was a great entry point for us last weekend. A good show, a good win for Danny Jacobs. And we learned a lot. You know, we really did. We sat back, we, we absorbed the information, we absorbed the night. And I'm really looking forward to 2018. I feel as though... We don't need to learn that much more. I'm confident that we can make a, a, a significant dent in the market in 2018. And you know, it was a very pleasant experience, enjoying working with some good partners on the show. Um, many tried to help, many tried to not help. Um, but it was good. 
you know, very pleased and looking forward to 2018. Uh, you talk about Danny Jacobs, uh, your big signing here in New York, or here in USA, I should say. Uh, he did what he could against an opponent, Luis Arias. I don't know if you saw this, but he threw about 28 punches around Luis Arias. Not going to get the job done. He was in survival mode from the beginning. He had an excuse at the end of the fight. I mean, uh, talk a little bit about what's next for Danny Jacobs. He got the win, That's which is most important. What's next for Danny Jacobs? Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a masterclass, really, considering what he was up against. I mean, I thought Arias defensively was excellent, but he got hurt badly in the first round. And really from there went into his shell and didn't do the things that he said he was going to do. But, you know, it was a little bit frustrating to Danny. But, you know, listen, he boxed well. He won every round and he was a convincing winner. So, you know, the plan now is to have a new day this week. The problem is in five. Eddie, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah, can you just restate that again? I'm sorry. I just think that fighters have such a terrible activity rate um, in America, you know, fighting once a year and one and a half times a year. So the key really is with Danny is to establish his next date, which will be mid to end of April. And we want to sort of, you know, we want to be in control of our own destiny. There's some fights that we want, of course, you know, Canelo, Golovkin, the Lemieux, Saunders winner as well. But, you know, we want to come out and say, this is when we're fighting and, you know, we'll work on the opponent. But the key is to keep him active keep the brand of Daniel Jacobs expanding. And, you know, to, to he's a great fighter. He's a great personality. You know, he's the real deal. He should be a superstar. And, you know, we've got to make that happen. But like I said, I really see him as... I see three elite fighters in a division. You know, and I see Golovkin, Canelo and Danny Jacobs. And, and you know, it doesn't mean we won't fight other people, but that's really... The, 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 that's the company we want to mix in. And uh, I, I believe he has the ability to do it. Yeah, you had Danny Jacobs say that he will be traveling to Montreal. I'm sure you'll be uh, going along with him to watch that Lemieux-Saunders fight. Maybe once that winner could go down in April, perhaps, here uh, in New York. I mean, also, but what's stalling, though, is Triple G and Canelo are fighting each other. Uh, Triple G and Canelo, that, those negotiations are stalling as well. So you got a little bit of a... Of, you know, four fighters looking to all fight each other. Talk a little bit about what's going on there, and uh, I know you're going to be there with Danny Jacobs in Montreal. Well, I won't be actually because we've got David Hay against Tony Bellew. Oh, of course. I'll, I'll be watching, but I'll be in London. Uh, Danny's definitely going as his manager, Keith Connolly. Um, I think the winner of that fight against Danny Jacobs is a natural fight as well. My concern is that if, if uh, the new wins, and they try and hold him up for the winner of Canelo Golovkin. You know, I said to Tom Lawler the other day, listen, if Canelo Golovkin doesn't happen, we're ready to go with, with Jacobs against Triple G too. So, um, again, we want to be in control of our own destiny. We're not really waiting on anyone. We want to get our date, know that Danny Jacobs can have you know, four or five weeks off with his family, enjoy his Christmas and get straight back into camp. And I think that's important for any fighter have a strategy and a plan and a schedule rather than just waiting for a call that might take three or four months to come. It's very disheartening to be so inactive and, and the plan for Danny Jacobs is to be as busy as possible. Now, going back to uh, Saturday night, this past Saturday night at uh, uh, Coliseum there on uh, Long Island, what did you, uh, the comparison between what you saw there between the crowd and the whole atmosphere in relations to some of the cards that you do over there in England? Well, I've been to many cards in America. I mean, must have been to 
couple of dozen shows in the last year. Um, the atmosphere is different, not always different. I mean, you know, I've seen cards with, with Crawford in Omaha and in Wilder in Alabama, and you know, I think that there is a good atmosphere in America. The atmosphere on Saturday was good, wasn't electric, but you know, I think we need to make sure that the people understand the fighters, know the stories, can resonate with them. And I think that we have to keep it local as well. You know, I saw some great support for the likes of Clayton Feldin, mm-hmm. who was a Long Island fighter. Obviously, Danny Danny and Jarrell Miller are from Brooklyn, so not far away, but obviously you'd expect a more vibrant atmosphere in the Barclays Centre for those guys. But, you know, I just think that um, it was interesting just, just to watch... Not not as vibrant an atmosphere as the UK, but you know, three or four years ago, we didn't create the same kind of atmosphere that we're creating now. So we're just getting started in America. I think a lot is down to the perception of the sport. You know, make the sport cool again, make it sexy, and I think we can do that. But also to make the fans understand why they're there and who they're supporting. You know. Because then you can actually be expressive, you can be emotional, you can be passionate for a fighter. If you actually know them, and if you know their story, and if you like them. So we have to make sure that these fighters are accessible to the public, and you can get to know their backstory, you can get to know their personality. And and then I think you're going to see a more expressive atmosphere from the USN. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Danny Jacobs is a great guy to to learn his story. A lot of people are, are catching on. Great performance against Triple G. Of course, his uh, life story with uh, uh, defeating cancer and all that. So I look forward to uh, Matchroom continuing getting to tell the stories of these fighters. I think that's a great thing. Uh, two fighters that don't necessarily need a lot of hype, uh, and that's Anthony Joshua and uh, Deontay Wilder. Of course, you are the man behind Anthony Joshua. I understand that you met with uh, Team Wilder, it went well from what I've read. I also read last night, and uh, you can maybe clear this up, that there were talks of a, a two-fight deal with potentially one fight going down in Las Vegas. Is there any truth to that? Do you know what? There's, there's so many possible outcomes to the conversation. Um, listen, there was talk of doing one fight. There was talk of doing one fight in the UK, one in the US. There was talk of both fighting on the same card in the spring and then fighting in the summer. So anything's in play at the moment. Anything's possible. There is a desire from both sides to make the fight. That That's clear from the meeting. That doesn't mean it'll get done, but normally when both sides want to make the fight, you've got a great shot at, at making it happen. So I believe that this fight gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Both guys are relatively unknown in America still, and we need to try and change that. Uh, and Deontay's doing a good job off the back of his last performance. You know, I think he made some good noise with that win. Um, you know, Anthony's been aired on on US TV on numerous occasions. Needs to spend a little bit more time there as well to raise the profile of him. So when we do this fight, I, I don't want it just to be a big fight. I want it to be a soup fight. But I also understand that we live in a world where the the fans are very impatient and we can't miss the opportunity to make a great fight for boxing. So there is an opportunity to make this fight next. Personally, I feel it's unlikely. Could it happen in the summer? Absolutely. Could it happen after that? Absolutely. 
But it all depends, really, the bottom line when you crunch the numbers and look at everybody's expectations because Deontay's got his expectations. Anthony's got his expectations. And, you know, we know what they're both earning at the moment and what they perceive they should earn for a fight like this. So that's really when it becomes difficult. But like I said, it is the biggest fight in world boxing. And both fighters definitely want the fight. So it's our jobs, the guys guiding the career of these fighters, to try and make it happen. Now, who are some names that you say, you personally, you don't think it's going to happen right away? So, you know, with that in mind, who are some names that you're looking at? Maybe a Joseph Parker. My gut feeling is it will be more like the Sun, but if it was right, we... Is there, Eddie? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry, can you just state that again? I said, I, I, if the deal is right, we have no problem taking the fight. Okay. It's just that my gut feeling is that it will probably be the summer. Okay, with that in mind, though, uh, if Joshua should fight a, a fight before that, uh, there's Joseph Parker being thrown around, there's Dillian Way. I mean, who, who do you think he would get in there with? Well, the Parker fight would make sense because, obviously, we'd love to bring another belt to the Wilder fight and, and make that a fight for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. Um but at the same time, you know, Joseph Parker's got his ideas of what he should get for that fight, and that's a lot different to the ideas of what we think he should get in that fight. So all these fights, you know, these guys look at Anthony Joshua as the big payday. Let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Everybody wants to fight Joshua, maybe because they think they can beat him, but ultimately because they know he is the biggest payday in the division by a mile. So... They're all going to put their prices up, and so they should as well. But we've got to be sensible, and we've got to find some common ground. But certainly Parker is an option for Joshua next. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of uh, voluntaries out there as well. But over the next two or three weeks, we really need to nail down who he's going to fight. We want to go three times next year, you know, once in March, again in June, July, and then again in November, December. So that's the plan. And li- literally at the moment, everyone is in play. Right. Yeah, the heavyweight division is a lot of moving parts. Um, what about a, a, a fight that can be on the undercard? Eddie Hearn versus uh, Lou DiBella. I think that would do great ratings. That's a, that's a mismatch. <laughs> a mismatch for, for Lou, right? That's a mismatch in and out of the ring. <laughs> I mean, you got the height, you got the reach, that's for sure. Uh, listen, I love, I love Lou DiBella. You know, I, I, do, I do drive him a bit crazy. I do, I do ramp his uh, heart, heart pressure and blood pressure up. But I have a lot of respect for Lou. You know, he's been around the game for a long time. I've known Lou DeBella since I was about eight years old. Yeah, me too. You know, and uh, obviously he was at HBO and was an extremely powerful figure in the world of boxing. Um, and he's been around a long time. So, listen, I'm going to ruffle his feathers by coming into the UK market and winding him up, which is what I like to do. And um, we're going to have some fun, us and Lou DiBella. There's going to be a lot of confrontation. There's going to be some cuddles. Um, I think we have a respect for each other in terms of what we do in the sport boxing. I'm out to compete. I'm out to compete with all the promoters. Doesn't mean I won't work with them. I will work with everybody. How about Dana White? Ultimately, we're looking... How about Dana White? I know he's uh, looking to get into boxing, and I, I know I talked to you about it at the, the the gym there for the media workout. What are your thoughts on Dana White getting into boxing? I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, a couple of the 
media said to me out there, you know, there's a lot of boxing promoters out here disgruntled that Dana White might be coming into boxing. I said, why? It's brilliant for boxing. Anything that adds value, it adds profile to the sport. But this is a guy who revolutionised MMA and, and he was a big driver behind the brand of the UFC. It would be fantastic to have him in boxing. I'd love to compete against him. I'd love to work with him. More the merrier. You know, he's a very good promoter. And the better the promoters in a sport of boxing, the bigger the sport of boxing is going to be. If you're confident enough in your ability, you don't care who comes in the sport. And we're confident in what we do. We believe we're going to be a major player in the US market. So bring everybody up. That's a very refreshing uh, sentiment that you have there. Uh, it was a great show on Saturday night. I appreciate you coming on with us. I know you landed very early in the morning. Uh, thank you, Eddie Hearn, and uh, we look forward to seeing you here in the States. Thank you. Good luck, bud. Eddie Hearn, there he is, the one and only Eddie Hearn. I mean, the biggest takeaway from that interview, forget Joshua and Wilder, Jacobs, Golovkin, Jacobs, Canelo. It's Hearn to Bella. I mean, that's that's a pay-per-view attraction. And uh, it's nice to hear that, you know, he does respect them and it's not personal. And uh, a lot of times the fans think it is when these guys go after each other. So it's good to have some fun with Eddie Hearn. He's a very uh, charismatic charismatic guy, great Um refreshing like i just said outlook on boxing and he'll work with anyone i mean he'll work with any network he'll work with uh, any promoter nice to see that in terms of uh joshua and and uh wilder getting in the ring doesn't he said it right here you heard it right here on inside boxing live doesn't think it's going to happen right away and uh which leads me to believe it's not going to happen right away this is the guy that holds all the cards there's going to be two interim fights for each guy one interim fight for each guy like i predicted and they're going to fight in the fall Fight in the summer or the fall, and I would not be surprised if it's a two-fight deal. And then maybe them fighting on the same card, then that would be awesome. I mean, that's how you really drum up a fight. And I'm, I'm always wondering why these promoters don't do that more often, is put you know two guys that are on a crash course on the same card. Of course, of course they don't do that because you can get two separate revenues, two separate sets of ratings if you do them separately. You think about that. If Wilder fights... See, Wilder fights Dillian White, even though he just dismissed him. Wilder fights Dillian White on on the undercard. Joshua fights Parker in the main event. Both win. Both get in the ring. I mean, that's going to create ton of momentum for this fight. So uh, in addition to that, we also talked to Eddie about uh, Triple G, uh, Canelo, in terms of uh, Danny Jacobs, and uh, he maybe Triple G too. I mean, fans would want to see that. I think fans will want to see... Any combination of Triple G, Canelo, and, and uh, Jacobs fight. I would love personally to see Danny Jacobs versus Canelo. Let's just say there's a scenario where Triple G, Canelo doesn't get made, the rematch right away for some reason. And then Jacobs moves in and fights Canelo. Triple G goes in, fights the winner of Saunders, Lemieux. Hopefully it's Saunders because we already saw what he did to Lemieux. Triple G picks up another belt. The winner of Jacobs Canelo then fights Triple G for the undisputed 160. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, and Eddie Hearn said he wants to he wants to in his uh, he wants to control his own destiny or control Danny's uh, destiny as his promoter. So special thanks to Eddie Hearn calling all the way from England. I know uh, he had a long week here in New York, but uh, shout out to Eddie Hearn in the Matchroom Boxing. Nick, I want to move forward. I want to get into the hype train. Are you ready for that? I am ready. <laughs> Always ready. Nick Canobio, our wonderful super producer. Unfortunate that Dana White couldn't join the show. Uh, 
sent out a text to Dana. He's something happened, something came up, and I uh, can't join us. So uh, our apologies. Um, we're gonna get him back on another show, and uh, we'll talk to Dana White. But Eddie Hearn said he would work with Dana White. Thinks it's a great thing. There are a lot of people that don't think it's a great thing. I don't see how it can be bad, knowing Dana White. But let's move forward with the hype train. This week's hype train, of course, comes from the Charlo brothers. Uh, easy choice here. Jermel and Jamal. We'll start with Jermel. I mean, coming off of a huge knockout, impressive win over Erickson Lubin. It was his fourth straight KO win. Back-to-back spectacular knockouts. I mean, both at the Barclays Center, Charles Hatley in April, Erickson Lubin, round number one. I mean, that was shocking. I mean, so Jermel had a really good year, sitting there at 154-pound division. I mean, there are some opponents being thrown out, like a Jared Hurd and a Arislandi Laura. I mean, take a look at the highlights of these two guys. I mean, they put on a show, man. They Ever since that they hooked up with trainer Derek James, you're seeing a different style. You're seeing a killer mentality from the Charlo brothers. They were always good boxers, but as Brian Campbell stated when he came on Inside Boxing Live, they're trending towards greatness right now. There's a ton of momentum uh, going into 2018 for the Charlo brothers. They're quickly ascending pound-for-pound ranks, quickly ascending uh, most popular fighter in uh, the U.S. Jamel, 30-0, 15 knockouts. Possible opponents for him, Jarrett Hurd, which I think will be an outstanding fight at 154. Arizona Lara, I know I'm getting it, people throwing tomatoes at me but just by saying his name. Arizona Lara, think about it. When he's at his best, when he's in the ring with a big puncher. Lara Angulo was a great fight. So I think that if you put Lara in there with a young lion, uh, as they like to call themselves, the Charlo brothers, uh, Jamel Charlo versus Lara, could be an interesting fight. I mean, poor Patrick Heelan here. I mean, the guy was fighting on one leg. I mean, you got to go up against a Charlo with one leg? Uh, no, absolutely not. And uh, moving over to his twin brother, apparently, Nick, there was, uh, I think Woodsy tweeted. I don't know if you can pull it up. It was a few weeks back. The, the way to find the difference between the two Charlo brothers is one of them doesn't have a birthmark. I don't know. Uh, there's no way of figuring that out. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe Woodsy's staring a little too much into them, but I, I don't know. It actually was very helpful when I saw the tweet. Is one of them doesn't have a birthmark, uh, but we'll take a look at Jamal, Jamal Charlo here on the hype train. <laughs> Last win came over the one-legged Highland. Uh, that was a drubbing. Uh, he's 160 pounds. I mean, it's good that they don't fight in the same weight class because people would be asking them to fight each other, kind of like the Klitschko's, and I'm sure their mother, just like the Klitschko, Mother does not want them to fight. But he actually has some good wins. I mean, the Trout fight, uh, he, he got rid of Trout, and he also got rid of J-Rock, which was a huge knockout. Uh, he's a former welterweight champ. You know, the guy's undefeated, 20 knockouts. I mean, these guys are taking the boxing world by storm. Jamel and Jamal Charlo, this week's hype train. Of course, you can always send us uh, your favorite fighter or who you think should be in the hype train. It could be a prospect. You know, it could be a fight you're looking forward to, a venue, anything. Send us what you think should be included in the hype train at Compitbox using hashtag IBL, hashtag uh, hype train. Closing out the show with the best segment of the day. It is the good hook of the week. And uh, this week it comes to us from Gleason's Gym in wonderful Brooklyn, New York. And I absolutely love this story. Gleason's Gym 
giving out a free veterans program here. And, you know, Veterans Day just passed. We have so much going on in the world today when it comes to uh, our vets and taking care of them once they come back home. But uh, Bruce Silverglade, owner of Gleason's Gym and uh, a veteran himself, got a phone call from the Veterans Affair Hospital in New York City. And uh, they asked if he would be willing to take in some uh, veterans as part of a program where they can come and they can train, they can spar with each other. And, of course, uh, Bruce Silverglade, if you ever met Bruce Silverglade, of course he's going to say yes. And uh, he did so. And uh, with head coach David Murray, every Tuesday and Thursday, a group of about 20, 25 veterans all come together and they train. I mean, how awesome is this? This is one of my favorite stories uh, to come out of boxing in a long time. So much negativity. Uh, a lot of uh, of people talk about all the things that are wrong with boxing. How about we start talking about some of the things that are right uh, with the sport? And if you've never been to Gleason's Gym, you you definitely should. It's a landmark. It's over there right below the Brooklyn Bridge in a beautiful neighborhood in Dumbo, Brooklyn. And uh, it's not the original uh, gym. This one is uh, a little, smells a little bit less. Uh, it's a bigger. It's uh, nicer. They hold a lot of the fighter media days there. But uh, moving forward, this story is, I mean, unbelievable stuff here. These veterans, you take a look at some of the quotes. This article ran uh, on uh, ESPN in their boxing page. You can check it out yourself. Some of the quotes from these veterans and just shows you how important these types of things are. I work out alongside other vets, and the bond we possess is untouchable. It's a feeling I can't explain. I just have no words for it. I mean, nobody judges one another. People don't care about each other. This training helps with channeling my anger and negative emotions. I mean, this is good stuff. A lot of these veterans are forgotten about once they come home uh, from overseas, and there's all these different ways they, they cope with everything they've saw and or experienced on the battlefields and, you know, lacing up the gloves and, put, and, and hitting the heavy bag or maybe sparring and just, you know, the camaraderie. Another quote here is, leaving the military is like leaving home. You no longer have that support system. Coming to Gleason's and getting to see Sean and Steven, who are uh, some other guys that participate in this, is like seeing family. And uh, so hats off to Gleason's gym. Hats off to Bruce Silverglade, uh, head coach David Murray, doing great things for veterans. That's something we all can agree on is a beautiful thing uh, here in the sport of boxing. But that's it for Inside Boxing Live. Thank you for uh, joining us. Remember... Inside Boxing Live is the show for the fans. We'll see you next time.